that lets you save I think that people, a lot of times parents um, or just, you know, people who are on the outside, uh, politicians, they don't realize what's going on in a, in a lot of the classrooms on a daily basis. Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We're coming at you with a brand new show. We appreciate whether you're listening on terrestrial radio across the country or as a podcast around the world. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. So stick around. We got all that coming up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. You heard all about Clavon in the introduction, so without further ado, welcome to the show. Hi, Drew. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It is our pleasure. I'm looking forward to jumping into this. I got lots of questions for you, and this is a hot topic that many people need to hear about. Why don't we learn about you first? Tell us about who you are, what you do, maybe how you got started. Okay, well, thanks. You know, primarily, I'm a writer. Um, I, I started out in corporate America, working in marketing communications, inevitably moved to Los Angeles, worked in television for a while as a writer, and then eventually left that behind, moved back to Philadelphia, where my plan was to become a teacher. And when I returned, I discovered that unlike in California, you can't do emergency uh, credentials in Pennsylvania. So I needed to go back to get um, another two-year degree to be certified. And But they said, but we're looking for substitute teachers right now, and um, we really need help. So if you, know, you want to jump in, get your feet wet, I thought that was a good idea. So I started subbing. Inevitably, I subbed at two different times, uh, first for a year and then significantly later for a a two-year period and subbed at 67 different schools and had over 90 um, assignments in in the Philadelphia area. And one of the things I discovered as I was, you know, just moving from school to school and some of them were, a lot of them were one-day assignments, some of them were longer and some of them were long-term assignments. And um, one of the things I discovered is that there was a lot of classroom disruption and a lot of like halting of the the education process on a daily basis, you know, day in and and day out. And as I started to look into this to to figure out why exactly this was, um, talking with teachers and counselors and administrators and just doing research, uh, I found out that the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act um, dictates that that children, all children with disabilities be educated in the general education classroom, whether or not their disabilities are disrupted. Uh, in that setting or not. And um, that's one of the things that um, I found to be a, a bit disturbing and, and a bit problematic. Okay, so all right, I want to take a step back here. So what kind of writing were you doing? Um, at that time or when? you when? were kind of getting started, you said you moved from somewhere to LA? Yeah, I moved from the Philadelphia area to LA. So when I was in Philadelphia, I worked primarily in marketing communications. So um, I worked for Unisys Corp and then I worked as a public relations manager. So it was primarily corporate communications. 
And when I moved to Los Angeles, I actually went back to school to um, study cinema television because I wanted to write for television. And so that's what I wound up doing out there. I was out there for 10 years, had an opportunity to work in television, write for a couple of different shows back in the day. Um, Living Single, um, Star Trek Voyager, Soul Food, the series, and a couple other shows. And, um, you know, and then I left that behind and, and moved back to Philadelphia and planned to be a teacher. It's awesome. So we were in LA? Los Angeles. Yeah, I was in, yeah, I was definitely in Los, you mean where exactly? Like in Los the city Angeles? of Los Angeles? Yeah, in the city of Los Angeles. I moved around a lot when I was there. I lived in five different parts. I lived downtown in LA. I lived in uh, Koreatown. I lived in um, what they call Mid-City. I lived in that area two different times. Um, I also lived in North Hollywood for a while. Okay. Well, we I spent half the year in Redondo Beach. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that's how I was asking. And I feel, I feel like sometimes it's a bit invasive. I'm like, no, where exactly did you live? <laughs> Just because I want to know how close it is or because we visit a lot of different areas. But at any rate, um, th- yeah, that, yeah, that's super, nice. Yes, we love we love beach areas. So um, but what was I going to say? I wanted to ask you about I think that's so cool. Like the because I like the behind the scenes. I'm not sure. Like I used to like, oh, I thought it'd be cool to be an actor or in front of the scenes. But I, I really like how stories are written when it comes to series. And, and I always think like I always wanted to like sit in a, in a boardroom of like the writers or how they come up with the storyline and how they play in a series. I don't know if that's going to happen in my lifetime, but I think that's really cool that you had that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I, I do feel very blessed to have had that opportunity. And, you know, there's a, you know, the way new channels are growing and streaming services and all like that. Now, if you do want to do it, now's the time because it, you know, my friends who are still out there tell me that they are really hungry for content and, and looking for content. So if you can come up with an idea and write a script, you might be able to sell it. <laughs> That'd be cool. I like to write. Never yeah. thought about writing writing for TV though. <laughs> so you wanted to get out of that and get into teaching? How come you wanted to move on from that? You know, while I was there, um, I, I had some really good experiences, but all of my experiences weren't great. I started out in sitcoms and I worked on a couple of sitcoms and then I wanted to switch over to one hour, uh, primarily because I wanted to do more complex storytelling and, and maybe have an opportunity to deal with like some like current issues and things like that. And um, I found it very difficult to switch over. Uh, at the time, I, I just just kept running into, well, we don't have any black dramas. You know, we like her, we like her writing, but we don't have any black dramas, so we don't really know what to do with her. You know, as though I couldn't be considered for a show that had a predominantly white cast. And, you know, and I ran into that over and, and over again, or I walked in and they were like, oh, I thought you were a guy. Um, and, you know, they weren't interested in a female and they weren't interested in a black female. So it was, it was kind of, it was kind of frustrating. And I just got to a point where I thought I'm not really being productive. If I can't move forward with this, I've had the opportunity to, you know, get a good education. I need to be doing something productive with it. So maybe if I if I can teach, then I can give back. And at one point, I was trying to decide if I was going to become a writer or become a teacher, and I went down the writing path. So this was all, teaching was always in the in the back of my mind anyway. Okay. So you wanted to go back to the Philadelphia area to do that? You didn't want to do that in LA? Well, you know, I, I felt like if I, if I were going to be a teacher, there was no need for me to stay in LA. Um, um, because children in Philadelphia need teachers as well, and my family's here, so I could come home, teach, and be near my family. So that just it just made sense to me. And and Los Angeles is expensive. It was it was it's very very expensive. So economically, it made more sense to come back to Philadelphia as well. Yeah, so ex- ridiculously expensive. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so I, I, I just tell you real quick. I visited Philly one time, and we had a we had a blast. But I couldn't I couldn't. Um, I was so surprised about how friendly the people were. I, like it, it felt like a small town, and I don't know if that was just our experience or if or if you have that's how it is there. But I remember that's standing. That's how it is. That's how it, that's how it is. I remember standing is. there. I think we had our phones out, and we had a map, and we we're trying to figure out where to go. And and a couple of people, like two or three people, stopped and were like, "Can we help you get somewhere?" And we're like, "Huh." <laughs> <laughs> just expect because I, I maybe my it was just my expectations i thought like maybe bigger city like new yorkish people are too busy to stop or, or talk or but it was i was so blown away by the, the people and the hospitality there yeah no philly's like a, a big small town yeah. you know That's um what it felt like. yeah a little bit different than la <laughs> a little bit it was it was definitely a um a change for me when i moved out there mm-hmm. okay so let's get into the, the teaching as- aspect and what was the where did that core uh, thought system or belief system that you were like i want to go to teaching so I can help people? Why did you want to do that? You know, because I've always really believed strongly in education. I think that's something that my mother instilled in me. Um, From the time I was in kindergarten, she was telling me, you know, you're going to go to college. Um, You know, you're going to, you know, and and you're going to do good things in life. And, you know, so that was always there in in my mind. And when you go to a place like Swarthmore, which is where I went to undergrad, they are very um, civic minded and, and socially conscious. And they instill in the students a uh, a strong belief in giving back and being you know having the ability to possibly change the world if, if they put their minds to it and so you know I, I knew that there were a lot of issues with public schools in the United States not just in Philadelphia but in the United States across the board where you have a lot of kids who are graduating and they don't read as well as they should they can't do math as well as they should and that you know just makes it difficult for them to compete out in the workforce or um, to be prepared for college once they they get there. And I thought, well, maybe I can help on this level because I had an opportunity to have a very good education. And, you know, maybe this is a way to give back. Okay. And was it difficult to get started into, you started, are you still subbing or did you find? No, I'm not. No, I I let it go. Um, Was it difficult? It was tremendously hard. Mm -hmm. So we had a one day orientation, you know, after filling out tons and tons of paperwork and, you know, getting physicals and this and that and the other thing, we had a one day orientation that was maybe five hours long total. And it was a quick overview of, you know, this is how you'll be contacted. This is our system. Um, and then you'll you'll put in your pin code and say yes to an assignment. And then you go and they'll direct you at the school. And um, but it was it was hard. It was it was really hard. After my first day, I was sort of in shell shock. Mm-hmm. I was sort of shell shocked, you know, um, I was at a, a high school and one, most of the students were bigger than me. And two, you know, a lot of them just completely ignored what I had to say. And three, you know, there were fights, there were kids who walked out of the classes or, you know, who, you know, harassed the other kids in the class who were trying to do the work that I was, I was giving them to do. It was, it was just crazy. I was so stunned because it was, that wasn't my experience going to school. I went to Catholic and private school my entire life and it was, it was a completely different type of situation. So at that point, when you first started out, were you like, uh, maybe this isn't the best idea? (laughs) Um, are you kidding? After the first three days, the first day was just horrible. And I thought, okay, I mean, seriously, at at one point I thought I was going to be hurt um, because I was in between people who were fighting and trying to stop the fight and they were all way bigger than me. Um, But, um, you know, so I thought, okay, you know, my my instinct was, no, this is is not for me. I shouldn't do this. And then I thought, okay, let's quickly sign up for another assignment because you may not go back. And I signed up for another assignment and that was with middle schoolers and they were just bouncing off the walls. I didn't feel the same sense of I might be hurt, 
but I felt um, it was just there was just so much chaos. And it was so difficult to try to get the work done that I, I, I couldn't believe it. And then after that day, I took a day off and then I went back again to another middle school um, a day, you know, a couple days later. And that was even worse and ran into a student who threatened to hit me um, because I was asking him to turn around and behave and to stop talking. And, you know, and I talked to different teachers at the at that school and they talked about, you know, the difficulties they were having with a lot of the students. And I thought, this is just insane. And I actually just quit after that. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. This is this is not for me. But um, it just, I felt like such a failure, you know? I just felt like, you know, what, what kind of chicken quits after three days? <laughs> so, you know, I waited a while and then I actually went back after the holidays and um, started subbing again and subbed through the rest of the school year. At the same school or you're bouncing around? No. I- <laughs> Certain schools I went to once and I was like, that's it. I'm never going back to this school. Um, and in fact, let's see, I think two, maybe three of the first three schools I went to, I, I, I never went back to again. Um, but no, so I bounced around a lot. And in my book, I basically talk about my experiences at the first 15 schools that I that I subbed at. Even though I subbed at, like, uh, I don't know, about 25 different schools that first time out, I just kind of chronicled the, the first 15 in my experience at those schools. And then as we get into the second part of the book, I kind of give an update on those schools and what they had been doing in between the time I first went out and I went back out, which there was like a, a 10 year, 10, 15 year gap. And um, and then I went back out fully in 2017. So yeah, you know. Okay. So I know we, we want to talk about mental health here. Tell tell me is the, the main purpose. Like why did you decide to write your book? To be honest, when I first started working on this, it wasn't a book. I was writing an article, you know, just basically kind of just sharing my surprise and shock um, at the the chaos and disorder and the disruption in the, in the classrooms that I that I visited and I showed it to a friend of mine and he said hey I think this is a book and you know you should keep subbing well to be honest it started out as a journal because I would be frustrated when I came in for it from at the end of the day so I would just kind of write down my thoughts just to process them and then it started to become an article and then he encouraged me to write a book um, but basically the first year that I subbed I just kept the journal and thinking that I might turn it into a book but I wasn't really sure so I did the journal I started turning it into a book, but then I went back to corporate America and sort of put it aside for a very long time. And then, you know, maybe 15 years later, I was at a crossroads in my career trying to decide what I was going to do next. And I had been watching what was going on in the school district and across the country in terms of schools. And, and I was wondering if it was any better, if things if things were changing or what. And I really wanted to know. And I decided to go back and sub again just to get an idea of what was going on and wound up subbing for the next two years and finishing up the book. So did you go back to finish the book? <laughs> I did. You went I back did. just to finish the book for two years? Uh, yeah, but what happens wow. is, you know, you, you get involved. You know, you, you wound up with a long-term assignment with a with a specific class and you like the kids and, mm-hmm. and they don't have a teacher and you want to help. You want to be a bridge for them un- until, um, you know, they can either get to the next grade or until the teacher comes back. And um, so I would wind up getting involved. There was one class and I talk about this class a lot in, in, um, in the third part of the book, although it was one of the original schools that I visited the the first time out, and then I wound up going back. And the first time I went back, I, I was supposed to be there for three or four days, and I wound up being there for um, a couple of months. And then I left and went back to visit a couple of times, just day assignments. And then the teacher left again, and I wound up going back for three months, and you know left again because the teacher came back. And then I got another call saying we need you back, 
and I went back and finished up the school year with them. So, you know, you get involved, you get attached to the kids, um, you, you like them, you want to help them. And at least I did. And so that's how I wound up. That delayed the finishing up of the book, you know, <laughs> just, just getting involved. But I also learned a lot being with those kids. Yeah, it's a nice experience. My wife is actually a teacher up here in Canada, a grade one nice. teacher. And um, I've been trying to get her out for years. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I want her to work on our business full time, and um, she she's the same way. She gets attached, and she she wants to be there for the kids, and she she loves the kids. So um, that's uh, yeah. it's a bit of a challenge <laughs> for me. Can, not I, for can her. I can I just give you like a little bit of background on that what, that one specific class, just like quickly? Yes, please. What happened is this was a third grade class. There were two teachers. That, you know, it was third grade, so you had two teachers. One who was very experienced, and um, you know, knew a lot of the kids even before they got to her class, and she had her class pretty much under control, although she was struggling with a few of her students. Um, and then um, another teacher who was a new teacher who was really having a lot of difficulty with her class. Both of the, both of them were um, way over the limit of what should have been in the classroom. And so the principal decided that they would split the the, the class, the, the new teacher's class, into two and put a couple of the kids from the experienced teacher's uh, class into those classes so that they would be smaller and hire another teacher. But by the time that that teacher, the regular teacher came, new t- the new teacher had gone out on on some type of medical leave. And so the new teacher got all of the kids who were really out of control, who had been accustomed to walking up and down the hallways whenever they wanted to and fighting and, and all this stuff. And she stayed for a couple of weeks and then she went out on medical leave. And so then they hired two subs to take over the, the, the two different classes. You know, so they, they still split the class and they put two subs in. And that's how I wound up being there. Okay. And then you, but you ended up finishing the school year with them? Um, off and on, right. off and on. Like I said, I was there for two months. Um, then the teacher came back and both of the teachers came back. And um, the, the first teacher came back and she wanted to rearrange how the class had been split because she said that she had all of the students who had um, emotional behavioral problems in her class, which wasn't totally true. Um, but she insisted that we reorganize the class. And I had just gotten the class sort of under control and we were humming along and there were some students in there that I was struggling with, but we were going forward. And then she switched it up on me and I got a student in the class that I really, I could not manage him at all. I didn't have the ability. She, apparently she didn't have the ability either because she didn't want him in her class. Um, and even though there were a lot of other teachers there that I tried to talk to, who tried to give me advice, you know, they all told me that he was a very difficult student and he harassed the other kids. He bullied the other kids. Uh, he instigated fights. He constantly challenged me. He would get up and walk out when he wanted, you know, he would just start chaos in the room. It was very difficult and it was just anxiety inducing for, you know, not just for me, but for the, for the kids, obviously, because they didn't really know how to, how to deal with him and they didn't know what he was going to do on any given day. Mm-hmm. It makes it so difficult how, how one, one student could change the entire day, entire life for so many kids and, you know, teachers and staff as well. Yeah. You know, and I think that people, a lot of times parents, um, or just, you know, people who are on the outside, uh, politicians, they don't realize what's going on in a, in a lot of the classrooms on a daily basis. And, you know, you have this constant disruption from one or two students who are in that class who may have emotional behavioral disabilities or a learning disability that's unmanaged. Um, and they're stopping that class in its tracks, you know, a couple of times a day. Who knows how much learning loss that is? And this goes on day after day. That just kind of multiplies. You know, they get to the end of the year and then those same kids advance together to the next grade and it starts all over again. So they're losing a percentage of their learning every day, every week, every 
every year. And that just goes on. By the time they get to middle school, a lot of the kids are behind in their work. And by the time they get to high school, for some of them, it's too late to catch up. So who did you write your book for? Or do you have a main demographic that you were trying to reach? You know what? I wrote the book primarily for anyone who wanted to have sort of an, an inside view of, of what it's like from the perspective of an outsider. You know, because I, I can, you know, I was definitely an outsider, even though I, you know, spent so much time, I was still an outsider. And I, I wrote it specifically for, for parents. I wanted them to understand, you know, what's going on in the classroom and that they need to talk to their kids about the day-to-day activities and kind of figure out if they're in a classroom where they're safe and where they're comfortable and, and they're able to learn uh, on a daily basis. Because a lot of times they're not, but the kids don't really realize it. So they can't communicate that and don't communicate it. I also wanted it for, um, wanted to write it for politicians because I wanted them to understand the impact that certain laws are having, especially the individuals with um, Disabilities Education Act, like how that was impacting the students in the classroom. Because once a student with disabilities, whether they're disruptive or not, for some kids with disabilities, the general ed setting is fine. It's perfect. They blossom, they flourish, and, and, and they do well. But for some of them, it's not the right setting. And there have been a lot of studies. There was a, a study that analyzed 50 other studies that showed that for, for certain kids, those with emotional and behavioral uh, disorders and those who have a managed uh, learning disabilities, that a smaller specialized classroom with teachers with specialized skills and aides with specialized skills is much better for them and that they're able to be more successful and learn more and, you know, and get control of their behavior in those classrooms in a, in a much better way. So I wanted, you know, and, and with the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, it's very difficult to take a student who, even if they're disruptive, to take them out of that classroom setting and move them back to another, like a special ed setting or some other type of a different classroom setting, even though it might be better. Mm-hmm. And is there something that they would be able to do about that if they knew what was going on? They could revise the law. You know, like right now, the law says that reasons to be able to remove a, a, a student with disabilities from a classroom, if they bring in guns, knives, or a bomb, or if they do serious bodily injury. And it seems like that's waiting too long mm-hmm. to decide to that maybe this environment is not the right one for certain kids. Because, you know, you you know that the disruption goes on. You you know when a kid is is volatile. You know when you're struggling with that kid on a daily basis. And the, the first school, no, the last school that I went to my first time out, I remember the reason why I was there is because the teacher who was in that position had a child in the classroom that she was struggling with. And she couldn't, you know, she couldn't manage the child and she kept asking for help and one day he pushed her backwards over a chair and she really hurt herself over a desk and she really hurt herself and wound up going out on medical leave and then so then finally they they took that child out of the classroom and hopefully got him into a setting that was more conducive to learning for him but at that point she's hurt and out on leave he's been taken out of the class and the rest of the kids they've lost a lot of learning over the school year because of the disruption and then they're subject to a whole bunch of um, substitute teachers who come in and go out, come in and go out, come in and go out, because a lot of them don't want a long-term assignment, especially if it's a if it's a difficult class. Mm-hmm. You know, so by the time I got there at the end of the year, these kids didn't even understand. They weren't able to look at their report cards and tell whether or not they were, they had had a good year or they had had a bad year. And part of that was because of the way their report card was set up, because it wasn't just a simple A, B thing. It was like a one, two, three, and all these explanations and stuff. But, you know, by the end of the year, you would think they would at least be able to look at it and know whether or not they did well and, you know, whether or not they need to work work harder, but they, they didn't. And I, I knew that they had just lost so much over that year. Mm-hmm. And we've had that similar conversation. Um, and I think that goes across the board is that what, what do you what do you do with them? Like it's so detrimental to the other learning, uh, the learning for the other kids in the classroom and then the upsetting of 
of staff and administration and their lives are upside down. And I think a lot of people don't even think about the staff and how they're affected. Right. But then what do you do with the, what do you do with the kids or where do you put them that have those behavior problems that are seemingly uncontrollable? Well, you know, one of the things that, that they did with um, special ed. Um, so back in 1975, the, um, the Education for All Handicapped Children Act, what it said is that um, all children had the right to a free and appropriate education in the public school setting. And I think maybe that's when special ed started to grow. The problem was that special ed wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. It wasn't as um, it wasn't as successful as the general ed classrooms. A lot of people thought that the students were just being babysat or, or just warehoused until graduation and then and then released, but they weren't learning what they were supposed to, to learn. And that's why people started pushing for them to be educated in the general education setting. And so they started, once the, the law came into effect saying that that's what they were going to do and there was a big push for it, they started dismantling dismantling special education because special education, to be honest, is is expensive because the classes are smaller, the teachers are, are more highly trained, they have specialized skills, so they cost more. So for a lot of school districts, it was it was expensive anyway, and then they had a federal mandate to kind of get rid of it. And um, I think that maybe what they should have done is fix it versus just deciding, okay, we're going to get rid of it and we're just going to put everyone in the in the same classrooms and and that'll that'll work well. I think there are a lot of things they didn't take into consideration. So I think they need to I think they need to go back and revisit that law, that federal law, and determine um, you know whether you know what the structure should be. They need to give more authority to the individual schools and school districts to determine which of their students can be successful in the general education setting and, and which students that's probably not the best choice for because they really don't have that authority right now. Um, and they need to take into consideration the the impact that they're having on the other students as well because I don't I don't think the law takes that into consideration as well. You know, and it doesn't really serve the students that it's meant to serve, the students with disabilities, because they're not getting the education that they need. They're not being able to advance as well as they should be able to advance because they're not they're not getting the 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 appropriate support. So I think that people need to also vote for people who are paying more attention to education and and, and that type of thing and, and pay more attention to what's going on locally, wherever they are in Philadelphia, across the U.S., you know, in suburban areas. It, it doesn't matter. We need to pay attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are very good points. Just knowing what's going on in, in and around the schools, I think, would make a difference. But we do have to wrap things up. I've been enjoying this conversation. Um, is there anything that we missed that you wanted to cover before we say our final goodbyes? Um, you know, I, I think that one of the things that we need to keep in mind is, you know, and I think we have we have kind of, we've, we've covered it, but, you know, there are a lot of studies, like the ACE study, which is the Adverse Childhood Event Study, where they actually look at, you know, how adverse child events, childhood events affect people later on in life, you know, and it has an effect on long-term health issues, long-term emotional issues. Um, and it's and it's about, you know, what happens in the home with these children? You know, have they been abandoned? Have they been abused? Have they, and they, they found that of the 17,000 people they studied, like two thirds of them had had at least one adverse event. And the vast majority of those had had more than one. And once you start getting to three or four, that's really um, a lot. And it has, it has more of an, a, an impact on your long-term health and well-being. And I think that what they need to do is look at the, the impact on the long-term health and well-being of children who are in classrooms where they're dealing with a classmate um, who harasses them or bullies them or hits them or, you know, who, who causes disruption or who causes a level of anxiety. Because for a lot of kids, what they're experiencing in the classroom, that is the, the trauma in their lives. They go home and they're okay. But when they're at school, they're being hurt. They're being bullied. They're being hit. And 
And that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough. And then you carry that stuff on that, you know, you carry that with you for the rest of your life, right? Exactly. Um, Clavon, how can we find your book? How can we learn more about you? Tell us tell us our audience where they can um, reach you if they want to get a hold of you afterwards. Um, you can you can find me or find the book in a couple different ways. You know, one, of course, is on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, walmart.com. Um, but you can also visit my website uh, or the publisher website, which is angelwalk.biz. And the book is there. You can read an excerpt, read a little bit about me if you're interested. Um, and it'll also tell you um, or provide a link for where you can um, purchase the book, which is in hardback, paperback, and ebook form. Um, or you can visit my Facebook page, uh, which is sub inside the notorious school dis- school district of Philadelphia, which is kind of long, but um, you know that is the the Facebook page. Tell us the name of your book. Sub inside the notorious school district school district of Philadelphia. Awesome. All right, Clavon, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for the conversation. I really enjoyed that, and I wish you all the best with your um, your book here in the future and everything else you have going on. Thank you, Drew, and good luck to you with all that you're doing. Really appreciate you having me on. It's our pleasure. Take care. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. You can always find us on facebook.com slash trueformlife. We post up there a couple times a day on our story. We're always trying to bring you more content around living a healthy lifestyle, whether that be nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. We also have free challenges that we do at least once a month. So if you follow us along there, you'll be able to join maybe a plank challenge or a squat challenge, Tabata challenge, whatever it may be. We'd love to have you join us. We're also on Instagram.com slash Drew Tadia. Again, we're posting up there a couple times a day along with our story, all dedicated to keeping you fit and healthy and on track. Our main website is trueformlife.com. If you want to check out some of our products, some of our services, or if you just want some great content from videos to blog posts and recipes and more, we got all that at trueformlife.com. Once again, thank you so much for being here. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadio, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.